Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 30, Sunshine and Moon Rain. This week, we're discussing series 3, episode 1 of Doctor Who, Smith and Jones, and season 2, episode 17 of Buffy, Passion. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. So, here we are. First official episode of Season 3. Yeah. Uh, And we've got Smith and we've got Jones. um, Yeah. And they're not Mickey and Harriet. Uh, No. (laughs) So... Uh, yeah. Wouldn't that be hilarious if the if the season started and it was a spinoff with Mickey and Harriet? <laughs> uh, I don't know if hilarious not, is the right word. Not there's so certainly much hilarious an, as there's awful. there's an adjective that would go with that, I'm sure. But uh, no, I you know I mean I I shouldn't say that. I've come around to liking or at least accepting Mickey, and I never disliked Harriet. So I mean that that was you know that's fine. But anyway. Um, we're not talking about them, even though we spent the first minute of our podcast talking about them. Um, but Martha, Martha Jones. Martha Jones. Uh, uh, yeah. So, okay. New companion. Yeah. We, get it, we have like a new origin story for another yeah. companion. It, it's almost like another pilot. Um, and Like it, it starts it, kind yeah. of, it, it really mimics Rose in a lot. I mean, in some ways it's very different, but it feels like. The show starting over a little bit. I mean, not so much because I think we know about the Doctor, so now we're ahead of Martha in a way right. that we weren't with Rose. Right. I think for the first two seasons, we were always with Rose. Now, in a sense, we're not quite as in the know as the Doctor, but we're more in the know than Martha. So we're in mm-hmm. this kind of weird yeah. space between them. But it's still like the show starting over a little bit. You could theoretically watch this as your first episode and it would kind of make sense. Right. Well, yeah. And um, so I guess, you know, sort of the first thought is that's probably intended, I would think, you know. Oh, you, yeah, sure. You, you, you've got people who maybe have been hearing about Doctor Who but don't want to go back and watch the last two years worth yep. of it to catch up. So, yep. hey, start from here, and just, we're going to explain like, to you everything. Just like we started with New Who, and we heard about it, and said, right. well, yeah, we don't we... want to go watch all that 30 years of class. Like, I think that's kind of the interesting thing about the show is, periodically, it starts over, mm-hmm. and you can jump in, and then go back and catch up with all the stuff that you skipped. You know, that's kind of, there's yeah. always an easy entry point. Yeah. And and I think you're right. Like we do get, so the only the only obvious difference that I can think of is that like with Rose, we knew that the Doctor had regenerated sometime recently, although we mm-hmm. didn't know exactly when. Um, here, obviously, it's been a while since his regeneration, but otherwise, yeah, it's like he's in the middle of some sort of investigation when he meets Martha, and you know recognizes something in her that's different from everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, that there, there's that scene where he's like, he pulls back the curtain. He's like, Oh, great, great thought there. You know, you, you, there's something that you picked out that everyone else hasn't, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that air isn't just escaping from these windows, which clearly are not, you know, airtight. So, yeah. um, so yeah. So I think, I think you're right. There is sort of a lot of 
parallels there. And, and you can't, I mean, I couldn't help. I shouldn't say you can't, although I suspect you probably couldn't either. Um, couldn't help making comparisons to Rose, uh, yeah. with Martha as you go along. It, it, for me, at least, if only for the fact that Rose is the only other long-term companion. And we've talked a little bit about what it even means to be a companion, but yeah. as far as like, the focus or main companion um if if there is such a thing uh you yeah. know rose is the only one that i've really met at this point um or at least been along for the ride with um yeah obviously no, we met sarah we met sarah jane but i didn't get to see her as like an actual companion yeah no we kind of talked about like the hierarchy and mm-hmm. you know rose and martha are more are on the highest level of the high, in terms of the new show, like, you know, Martha is the companion in the sense that Rose was the companion in a different way than the, the Jackies or the Mickeys or the Donnas who don't quite fit for one reason or the other. Martha is mm-hmm. the, the clear only other companion right, she, with a capital C, you know, right. She fits all of the major criteria for the role. Right. Right. Um, Whatever so those criteria might be. <laughs> so you can't help but set them up in parallel. And I think the episode kind of does that for you. You know, mm-hmm. like, actually, I think it's kind of doing that with both with Rose and with Donna. Um, I think there are some points of, you know, contrast there as well. So oh, the sure, three of sure. them are kind of an interesting sort of But triangle. again, like you said, Donna doesn't quite rise to that. Occasion, right? Because she doesn't right jump in the TARDIS at the end. No, so she... no, no. But there are certain things like I'm thinking of. Um, uh, I guess just one. Th- I mean, maybe there's more. But the one that jumped out to me this time was um, when they go out onto the balcony and uh, yes, and the doctor, you know, says, "Are you okay?" You know, and like kind of waiting to see is she overwhelmed by this, and she says. No, no, we're good. She says, um, I mean, we could die any minute, but all the same, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, and you think of the doctor trying to get Donna to see how beautiful it is. And she says, yes, but it's also terrible. It's also and I'm terrible. not interested. <laughs> Whereas but then, Martha. But then Martha, she does want to look when, when they're, you know, when they go back and before the earth is formed and mm-hmm. she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I will look, you know what I mean? Like she's yeah. curious, but yeah can't seem to quite overcome that right right fear. whereas martha recognizes the fear we could die any minute but at the same time right. look how there's, beautiful it is there's something worth giving yeah. it a go yeah and and there's well and there's that exchange we might die and then martha says well we might not you know yeah. <laughs> like okay yeah that's true we might not yeah. So that's that's and that's the yeah, attitude and the doctor that said, the, doctor the doctor is looking good for. yeah exactly <laughs> Exactly. That's that's what he seems like. That's the quality, right? That's like yep. maybe the different quality of a companion that that I think you're right. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to. Again, this is only my second like capital C companion, so mm-hmm. I don't want to make too broad generalizations. But maybe that's at least one of the criteria, right? It's that it it, it could just be slightly different from someone else, but it's that that little more willingness to to take the risk of um, finding something beautiful or 
worthwhile yeah. Yeah. Um, versus being afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, there's probably a way better way to restate that, but anyway. Yeah, no, there has to be the the a, a little bit of the thrill seeker in the mm-hmm. companion, I think. Yeah. Um, and like you do get the actors who play the companions talking about as they're thinking. It's like, what kind of people would do this? What mm-hmm. kind? What is the kind of person who says yes? I will go in your blue box with you. <laughs> like, even though I'm not saying they're all like. They're not crazy psychopaths, but there has to be some impulse towards. There has to be something a little crazy about them, something adventurous mm-hmm. or something not quite satisfied with where they are. You know, all yeah. those things are. Which is interesting, right? Because and, and you bring up, you know, not quite happy with where they are. But, you know, from all external observations, you Martha would seem to be yeah you know she's on her way to having a great career as as a doctor right i mean um you know we get the sense that she's worried about taking her exams but she seems competent at least as competent as any of the other doctors who are there and maybe even more so because she's the one who in crisis mode does seem to stay calm and be able to deduce certain things that makes her stand out at least to the doctor, if not, you know, the other doctors that are in the hospital. Um, But yeah, I get, so just a quick question. I don't think we ever get her age in this. um, I don't think so. Like we do with Rose. I would would imagine it's like mid to late 20s. Like she's out of college and and in medical school. And I was getting there. I was getting there. Okay. I was getting there. I was going to do some deduction there. No, well, we know her brother's turning 21. And she, I mean, I don't think we ever get explicitly that he's her younger brother, but that's sort of the implication, right? She's the one setting up the party or doing most of the setup for the party because all of the rest of the family seems pretty intent on not having a party because they can't stop their bickering. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, she's, she's clearly like nearing the end of her time of education to become a doctor. Like it's, you know, it's not like she just started medical school. She's, she seems to be near the end. So yeah. So I I was going to say at least mid twenties, maybe a little So, you know, I mean, again, not, not real old or anything, but you know, compared to Rose who was 19 when she hopped in the TARDIS and, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, certainly would seem to have more experience just in a general sense of the word. Um, yeah. You know, with the way the world works, but also, um, like I was saying before, like just with the fact that she is becoming a doctor, like, you know, this is like, she's getting to the point where she's almost ready to fulfill, I suppose, whatever dream she must have, you know, people don't become doctors on a whim. You have to, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing that you have to put time and effort and have focus and have a certain skill set in order to do, um, which, you know, not to knock Rose, but she was a shop clerk, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very different sort of thing. And, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know what any of that means. It's just comparison at this point. Like, it's just something either way, I guess, you know, looking, if you consider those different ends of a spectrum, which maybe they are, maybe they're not, but you know, there are at least differences between the two people yet. There's something similar enough to make them both want to go with the doctor at the yeah. end. Um, yeah, and we no, do get I that. 
sorry, sorry. I was just going to make one more thing. Yeah. But we do get the point of similarity there where it's the, uh, the mention of, oh, yeah, by the way, it's also a time machine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get yeah. that in both rows, with both rows and with Martha. And that seems to be like that final, like, oh, well, yeah, okay. Like, That's the clincher. Yeah. 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 This is, this is what, uh, yeah, this is what helps them decide. So, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I think it's like pretty obvious that seemingly anyway, on the surface, Martha has her life figured out in a way that Rose doesn't, you know, right. That Martha is the kind of person with a five-year plan, (laughs) you know, like Martha has a goal and is educated and Mm -hmm. hardworking and is, you know, very competent. And it, it, like you see how nuts her family is and how they all lean on her. And she just, is I well in the first scene I think it's different at the end of the episode but certainly in that first scene she seems to not bat an eye that this is just part of her day job is to right wrangle the family together and right. coordinate what who can show up when and you know like basically like block the party because yeah, they can't yeah. handle it otherwise <laughs> so she's someone totally you know focused on sort of very a type very a type yeah, yeah yeah and and maybe like you kind of you kind of wonder like you know the amount of time that she puts into school and work and family stuff you know i mean now we don't get any uh evidence to suggest that she you know, has any sort of other personal life beyond that. But you kind of get the impression that there isn't much of one, that it's sort of because mm-hmm. if you're in medical school, that's kind of what happens. And then you throw, you know, the family on top of that. Yeah, and very high maintenance like, family. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's very different to, you know, Rose with sort of the the dead end job and the deadbeat boyfriend and, you know, and, <laughs> you know, working class high school educated if that you know you know as as opposed to sort of you know career driven martha so definitely yeah and definitely upper middle class upper yeah but then but then also like you said there must be something similar in them if the doctor notices them and if they're willing to go with him so as much as they're contrasted i think they're also meant to be seen as uh kindred in some way well yeah and i was trying to think about because i mean you know it's not that rose isn't un you know it's not that she's unintelligent or anything she you know it's sort of like the the maybe classic like it's the street smarts instinctual empathetic right you know whereas martha right off the bat is more like you said she she's well educated she's knowledgeable um she's also very deductive and scientific like immediately like it's oh well what's going on here well the windows are you know clearly not um you know air or or, you know they're they're not airtight airtight thank you i don't know why i couldn't think of that word you know so there must be something going on outside and there's a force field and you know oh i've heard reports about aliens maybe there's aliens you know like like it's very like logical very almost in that sense what you would expect the doctor to be doing 
that sure. type of yeah. you know analysis. Um, and it, yeah, and it's just it's different. It's different types of intelligence, right? It's different types of skills, right? And I but, think like Rose was always, yeah, intelligent but but uneducated, and like you said, intuitive and sort of emotionally intelligent. You know, right. and I'm not saying that Martha is an emotional wreck or anything. I mean, she seems to be doing okay, but she seems, you know, maybe the emotional side has been neglected, and what she's focused on is. Or what? been sucked dry because of her family. Right. Like, the, all the energy goes into, you know, the job and the family. And actually, I, I've i never seen anyone else suggest this. So whether Russell Davies had this in mind or anybody else agrees with me, I haven't the faintest clue. But I've always thought of Martha's name as significant. That Martha has all these, you know, connotations of... um being a servant type personality and especially oh, like when you the con- biblical like Mary yeah, Martha. And yeah yeah especially when you contrast that with rose who was the devoted mary type the type to sit at you know not to make dr jesus parallels but the the kind of <laughs> loyal devoted sort of you know follower mm-hmm. whereas i think especially in this first episode you get the idea of martha as a servant that she's learning she's to be the a, workhorse she's the workhorse the she's learning to be the doctor so that she can help people she's mm-hmm. basically running her family and doesn't seem to mind doing it mm-hmm. um so like you kind of get that impression of her as uh you know a very sort of giving person maybe you know Maybe to the yeah, neglect of her own, but but again, we don't know much about her personal life, so I don't want to assume things about it that we don't sure, know. Sure, sure. Um, just sort of going back to what you were saying before about sort of comparing episode wise, not necessarily character wise, but you also get like the reintroduction of things that if you've been watching all along, you already know about, right? The sonic screwdriver, the TARDIS, you get the full yeah. name of the TARDIS again. Yeah. Um, right. You, you get know, the, the fact, you get the bigger on the inside. Right. Sort of right. Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> and I love, I love when he's sort of like mouthing it along yes. as she says it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Oh really? Hadn't noticed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, but no, you, you get all of the, yeah. And the, and the you know, she pokes her head in the door and then runs back out and kind of does the look around, you know, to realize that it, there's something screwy going on here. So, yeah. which again, you know, is the same thing that Rose does um, in that, in her first episode. So it's, you do get a lot of those little, like, more subtle um, things that would be, you know, for someone who's just tuning into the show, um, would definitely be hints. Yeah. Uh, and, and information that you would need to have, you know, going along. So um, the fact that the Doctor is indeed an alien and all mm-hmm. of that as well. So, um, Yeah, no, we're sort of... You know, we're, again, like I said, we're more savvy because we've been watching. So we're ahead of Martha. But in theory, an audience starting now would be with her, would be learning all those things Mm -hmm. about the show and about the doctor along with her. Um, Right. So it really, again, it's one of those episodes that has to, like, reintroduce everything in the show, you know, in the space of 45 minutes. So, 
Um, um, what what else? Anything else about? Well, I so I was gonna say, and then there's there's the point of contrast where you get the doctor kisses her in this first episode that we right. see her in, whereas with Rose it was so so long where you're just waiting and waiting, waiting for that for, kiss yeah. to happen. You know right. it's gonna come at some point, but right. Um, um, and then also the 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 scene um, where he finds his sonic screwdriver destroyed. Yeah. Um, but of course, apparently he has a stash of them somewhere, so he, he comes <laughs> he can back. Just, he can just make a new one. <laughs> yeah, well, or he's got, you know, a room full of them in the TARDIS, maybe. Right. I don't know. Like, you know, he's got a whole junk drawer full of sonic yeah. screwdrivers. Um, <laughs> which the junk drawer might be bigger on the inside, for all we know. Right, um, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think if we could sort of switch over to talking to the doctor there, I mean, on the, in the one sense he does the same thing we always sort of see him do, but, um, you also get those moments of sort of where he's at, right? It's the, the, especially at the end, right? When, when he kind of comes around to, um, getting to that point where he's going to ask Martha to, to come along and, and ride with him. Uh, and of course he, he mentions Rose's name and gives that warning, you know, the caveat of you're not replacing her. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, he's talking to the audience, right? Yes. Like this is yeah. like the yeah. assurance, like this is not, Rose and, 2.0 and, or anything. And to himself is, a little bit too, I think. Well, yeah, you no, know, I, like, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It, 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 he's saying it obviously in, in the show to Martha and, and saying it to himself, but it's also, you know, Russell Davies saying it to everyone who's yes, watching. Like yes. it's, it's not just, clearly it's not just meant for Martha's yeah. sake right. um, because Rose doesn't mean anything to her like right. that. Why, you know, why would she? Um, but yeah, no, I think you get that and and you get um you know, and you get his sort of reluctance to to admit uh that he needs to have a companion along, which is what Donna said to him, right? right. At the end of of the last episode was you you need to find someone. Mm-hmm. And but, you know, no, this is just one trip just to say thank you to you know for helping me. One trip back home and I yeah. prefer to be on my own. Yeah. Um which, yeah, it, it's funny. It that scene takes kind of an abrupt turn because up until that point, I mean, you do get the idea through the episode that this is her audition, right? right. Like he's looking, he's actively looking. I mean, he says he wasn't looking for trouble. He was investigating. He didn't come here searching for a companion. But when the opportunity arises, he but he is, just happens to arrive on Earth. Yeah, you know, like yeah. in in a place where he might happen to run into a companion up the street like, from where he met Rose or whatever. Like, right, you right. Know. Yeah, just yeah. just down the road. Exactly. Well, and <laughs> and also, I mean, and some of that you have to feel is because, dude, he just got rejected. Yeah. You know, I mean, Donna just rejected him. He just yep. totally opened up his TARDIS to let her come inside, <laughs> and she was like, "Nope, I'm nope. not doing that." And then he tried to skedaddle away yeah. <clears throat> um, without her noticing. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, who, who knows how much of it there? Like, is, is this a, a, a preemptive, you know, rejection 
on his part to say, all right, just one trip, but I'm, right, but right. you're not coming along with me because I'm, you right. know, feeling down <laughs> or right. something. I, you know, I, I, well, and you kind of get, well, what, total so, conjecture on my part. So what I was, what, I don't know, what kind of occurred to me is that the whole episode is him, you know, sort of auditioning her, you know, and kind of concluding, yes, she's a worthy companion Mm -hmm. i'd like to take her along and you know he specifically follows her to her family's party and kind of hangs around and sees what the family does and catches her eye when you know when he sees that she's a alone and b sort of fed up you know she gets that look on her face like oh after this freaking day i can't handle this right now and after and then, the time she put into that stupid party. Yeah. And like, for, just, forget about yeah. the fact that she got zapped to the moon and yeah. helped, you know, save humanity and all the people that were in the... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Forget that. Just the fact that she couldn't corral right. her family into a stupid party. They can't even yeah. go 20 minutes. So, yeah. yeah no, yeah. so she, she just looks, you know, totally spent. And there he is, waiting on the corner with a mm-hmm. little smile and the little come hither, you know, around... You right. know, the corner and, you know... I'm going to mysteriously walk away. Absolutely. So she follows him. <laughs> and and the whole scene, you know, of getting her to kind of look at the TARDIS and looking inside, like, has the feeling of kind of a seduction. Like, this is him right. trying to look as attractive as possible so that yeah. she's interested. And then... So there's no hint of, like, the kind of, you know what comes a couple minutes later with the you're not rose one trip then back home that's not what he's thinking what he's thinking is i'd like her to come and let me look as cool as possible so that she does but it doesn't really turn until she starts asking again personal questions about Mm. where is everybody this is a big place don't you have a crew don't you have a navigator and it's at that point that he gets defensive and Mm. it becomes you know, you know, I had a friend, but she's not here anymore. And anyway, you're not replacing her. And okay, one trip, and then you're out of here. So right. there is this kind of interesting, I think, push and pull where maybe the part of him that's listening to Donna is saying, I need a companion. I'm looking for one. She'd be a good fit. But there's still the other part of him that is having to convince himself that. Yeah. She's not replacing Rose and I don't yeah. really need anyone and I'd really rather not have her along anyway. Yeah. So, well, and it, and it would be foolish to think that you know, he only ever has one dominant thought in his mind at any given not. time, yeah. you know what I mean? Like Well, as most uh, of us don't. Like Right, exactly. I, I mean, I it, contain it, multitudes. He's very it, It's complex, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, um, no, I think that's an interesting part of the characterization as we go into the season is him On the one hand, I think even more than in Rose, even in even in Rose, the episode, uh, the doctor's not really looking for a companion as much as he is here. In some Mm. ways, he's more actively seeking her out. Yeah. But in other ways, but in other ways, he's more resistant to her than he was to Rose. So it's interesting and a little bit complicated, I think. Yeah. Well, and and in Rose, we even get the doctor saying like you were you were you were in the way you were in the wrong yeah. place at the wrong time the autons were after me and you just happened to be there like yeah. you know and then 
when he shows up at her apartment there, it's it's like, oh, well, I was tracking down this errant arm that's, you know, choking me to death here. Yeah. So, like, it, you know, it's, yeah, you're right. Like, that, it was completely just run into her. And then Rose is the one who becomes curious and follows him, follows yeah. him, follows him around. Yeah. Um, but here, yeah, it's, you're right. It is more, I didn't look at it that way, but he, he, uh, even throughout the episode, not even just at the end, but throughout the episode, it's the, you know, he again, it's that, oh, you know, you did see me this morning. Hmm, that's interesting. And yeah, and and like he's noticing her more than he necessarily noticed Rose at first. Right. It was I Rose so. who it was Rose who had to follow him and get him to kind of accept her. Now right. it's he's like, oh, huh. You saw me this morning. I wonder I wonder why you saw me this morning. And of course he's a time lord, so he knows it's certainly possible that later in his own timeline he'll have gone back yeah. to have, you know, seen her. But he's like, No, that's impossible. I was here in bed. I you know, wonder what that could be about. And and then, you know, later it's, you know, again, oh, that's an interesting explanation about the windows in the air and all of that. And and asking her opinions about things more so than he ever did with Rose in the first like five episodes, you know what right, I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like it, it, yeah. So I, it does seem to make a little bit more sense if he's, if he's having those conflicting emotions of, you know, okay, I do need someone, but kind of making Martha go through an audition. She doesn't know she's going through, right, you know what exactly. I mean? Like it's, yeah. Huh. That's it. I I didn't think of it that way as I was watching it either of the times I watched it, but but I can sort of see what what you're saying there. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So and, she passes the audition, but he's still sort of. Well, yeah. It's like now now she's into like like she's like the understudy, right? It's like if you do well <laughs> enough, one day you'll you'll get to play the main yeah. role. Yeah. Well, you get a trial round, and then exactly. we'll see where exactly. this goes. Um, so here's a question, not quite related to all of that, but I'm assuming the doctor doesn't actually die in this episode, right? Like everyone thinks he's dead. Sure. Yeah. I don't think he dies in the same way that, that like Buffy died. Like, like, I don't well, think I mean, we're and meant he doesn't, to see it. Clearly, he doesn't regenerate. Right. So, exactly. Like, yeah. Cause you not... would think if he started to die, he would regenerate. I think um, he stopped breathing. I think, and like he went into some sort some, of cardiac arrest or something. Yeah, some sort of arrest. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. But I mean, I can't Maybe say they one... ever go into any detail in the future about how dead he was at this point. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sort of... No, I know. Well, I mean, it's maybe only one of his hearts stopped. Or right. Something. Like. <laughs> Although Martha specifically switches, doesn't she? Doesn't she get one of them going and then she goes, oh, crap, there's a second one. <laughs> oh, does she do that? I don't remember She does. Part, but... she, halfway through, she goes, oh, two hearts, and she has right, to switch. Right, right, right. I do remember that now. Ah, that's funny. Um, hmm. Which is, you know, kind of one of the, like, you know, one of those little callbacks you don't because she knows he has two hearts because she listened to his heartbeat when she was right. examining him. So it's one of those little you don't expect that to pop up later, but that becomes right, right. crucially important later on. You know, mm-hmm. and anyone else wouldn't have known. You know, it needed to be Martha 
that yeah. was there at that moment. Um, you know, and I think, so that's just kind of circumstantial. But then also I think there's the, you know, she's reciprocating but it's... his sort of act of sacrifice that he's given, you know, risked right. his life to save them. And now she gives the last bits of her oxygen to wake him up because he's the only one that can get them out of this. Mm-hmm. So there's that, you know, by the end of the episode, there's sort of each of them has sort of saved the life of the other. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's not kissing, but it's another touching of lips. It's a genetic transfer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very scientific. Very yeah. Yeah. Not passionate. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no. So I guess, you know, just from a sort of first, uh, first blush, you know, good, good episode, you know, not, um, well, as the doctor says, Martha isn't replacing Rose. So, you know, don't want to compare too much, even though we've done quite a bit of comparison already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's interesting because I, ha- I, I will say this. Um, I have had people tell me, I, I think I've mentioned before that I have heard, you know, at least the names of some of the companions before. And Martha is one of those names that I have heard before. So I knew there was a companion named Martha. Yeah. Didn't know. I didn't even know when she came. So I did not know that she was, you know, the next companion uh, after Rose. But um, I do also know that there are some who don't particularly like Martha. But (laughs) I will say at least at this point, I don't. I mean, certainly we know way more about Rose than we do about Martha. So yeah. it, it, you know, I mean, just from that, like we've, 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 I have come, I should, I should stop saying we, cause I suppose I, I don't mean to talk for you, but um, you know, obviously I've, I've grown to really like Rose and I liked her right from the beginning Yeah. at this point, you know, Martha seems very competent and, and um, likable at least. So mm-hmm. we'll see where, where that goes. Yeah. I mean, I don't, want to tell you what to think about. I mean, you're perfectly free to dislike Martha on her own terms, you know, but I I I think a lot of the time she's just in that unfortunate position of coming second to a very popular first companion, you mm-hmm. know. I think yeah. it's a lot of things. I mean, I think you know, it, it probably it's the fact that those first two seasons were so much about Rose that you felt like you've lost the main character a little bit. And we, Mm -hmm. we were really more with her, whereas we, the audience are in some ways ahead of Martha here. So it's hard not to feel You feel less like she's your representative in the story, you know, Mm -hmm. because you know, everything that she's learning. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not that we won't learn new things with her, but, you know, she's not going to be that same sort of proxy that Rose was when the show came back, I think. And I think, to go back to my Mary Martha analogy, that's just the nature of the Martha type. You know, like, sad as it is, you know, that is anyone ever going to really 
love the Martha over the Mary. You know? Like the, there's something about the level-headed responsible one, which is mm. sort of inherently less, you know, uh, demanding of devotion than the very emotional, you know, loyal Mary figure. So I think that's a shame. And then I think that says kind of something about like, you know, our culture more than anything else. But, um, sure, so I sure. think that's, I think that's unfortunate because I think, um, you know, it, it means that Martha and there may be people who like Martha for more sophisticated reasons, but, or dislike Martha for more sophisticated reasons than that. Um, but you know, I think the fact that she's not Rose is kind of a silly reason to dislike her, and that seems to be what a lot right. of people's or what certain people's opinion boils down to. Um, so I would just, you know, feel free Caution. to have your feel yeah. free to have your own opinion about her. But just as we had to, you know, let the new doctor be his own doctor and not demand that he be the old doctor. You know, I mm -hmm. think we have to let the companion be who she is and not demand that, you know, she may, she may, you know, not earn our love for other reasons, but she shouldn't not get it because she's not the other companion at the very least. Right. You know? right, right. Um, it would be a, it would be a real shame if all we got was another rehash of Rose. And I think mm -hmm. all the, the points of comparison are sort of to set her up as a very different personality. Right. Um, and someone who maybe can interact in the with the doctor in different ways and maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not f replace Rose, but maybe fulfill a different side to his life, which is important in its own way. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. And and you get the what I'm even thinking about right from the beginning, Rose um was upset with the doctor because he kept forgetting Mickey. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it was it was the you've already forgotten. Like from the from when I mentioned him fifteen seconds <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah. Like you've already forgotten that he's I, like, you I, know and I and, just chastised you for this like yeah. two seconds ago. And that was a lot it was that empathetic, you know um part that that she brought so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what martha brings to help the doctor sort of see what he's missing it, i'm assuming that there she does bring something that helps the doctor see what he's missing but that that does seem to be a lot of what not that the doctor was completely unempathetic because of course we learned that yes he's actually forgetting about mickey because he's trying to save everybody and yeah. that's you know that might be an understandable reason to forget one person, but, but there's still, there's still that flaw, right? There's still that ability for Rose then to say, look, you need to think about the individual people. You can't just yeah. be cold and, and say, I'm saving everyone. So therefore I can forget one person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. So that's, you know, I don't know. At this point, obviously, because it's we've seen one episode. Um, Martha does seem more like the book smart, you know, intelligent, deductive sort of person where we saw, you know, <laughs> we got just a few weeks ago. Right. With with Rose 
um, oh, are you deducting? I, I think I am. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. deducting wasn't something that came naturally to Rose. It, 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 it was right. something that she learned from the doctor. So maybe, maybe there's some turnaround there. Maybe the doctor will be one to teach. Not that Martha's necessarily unempathetic either, but right. you know, she is a deductive, more scientific type, it seems. So maybe there's, there's a different sort of exchange that's going to go on. Well, yeah, no, I, two thoughts to that one is that i think in a way the companion will always be the the emotional human point of view to the doctor's alien uh, sure you know so sure. that's gonna be true but i think you're right that i think the fact of the the fact that the doctor has changed since we met him means that we can now have martha as a companion because when it starts, you need Rose. You need that very emotional, very intuitive point of view. And that's what fits. By this point, I think the doctor, you know, is, you know, well, I think being with Rose sort of softened him a bit and made him maybe more, uh, maybe a little bit more emotionally intelligent. Um, and then I think losing Rose does that, as well you know that he's in a pretty emotional place you know he's you know i mean he's not quite as it's not as fresh as in the runaway bride but it's still there you know you still get the sense that he's you know this is not go you know his sort of sadness isn't necessarily going away um Mm -hmm. anytime soon so when you have a more emotional doctor you can have a more analytical companion you know there's always going to be and i'm not saying that martha is analytical and the doctor isn't you know not that they've totally switched switched places but i think the the ratio has changed a little bit you know that as different companions are suited to different doctors at different points in their lives and it sort of has to do with who's the right fit at the right time um yeah yeah so yeah no it's i mean yeah it'll be something interesting to see as time goes on um so i guess just in the last couple minutes here i did want to make sure we at least mention the monsters um of the week here um and well and i guess so first of all yes i totally picked out the Mr. Stoker, yeah, Bram, Bram Stoker slash, you know, yeah, we, which, we have a monster who's like basically a vampire here going on. Which Russell um, Davies denies, and we can just dismiss that out of hand. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I suppose it might be possible for that to be a complete coincidence. But that would be the probability a of that yeah. is astronomically low well, and, and the fact infinitesimally that, low the fact that everyone points this out to him like i know this because in the commentary someone points this out to him yeah oh didn't yeah. you name it this and he says okay. no that didn't even occur to me and it's like well how is that possible so yeah, how can that not occur to you so yeah it is yeah. what it is but he, yeah he no i mean too much it certainly uh seems like an allusion to that um and the thing i wanted to say about the plasmavore is again this theme of the mundane being uh made sort of fantastic and horrific you know so there's the suggestion for kids that there's 
something sinister about old people, you know, mm-hmm. and the straw becomes an instrument of, you know, death, you know, so right. it's a vampire, but it's a very, it's, it's a, a very, geriatric it's, vampire. It's a, it's a geriatric <laughs> and a domestic vampire. It's a vampire that could yeah. literally be in your own house with, right. with the straw from your kitchen. Right. So, Oh, and yeah. uh, we didn't say this when and we talked about... And old people always have straws for some reason. I don't know why that... <laughs> That's true. It's true. We didn't say this when we were talking about the doctor, but uh, just thinking about the plasma war, I love his really bad attempts to act. You know, when he's tricking her into oh, yeah, drinking yeah. his blood, he's just not a very good actor. And he's... You know, trying really hard to sound like an idiot, but he knows the distance from the moon to the earth. And he knows what, you know, what is the normal the amount MRI, of volts yeah. in an MRI and everything. Right. You know, his sort of, you know, not very well concealed, you know, right, alien right. intelligence and everything. Right. And then his attempts to cover it up by saying, well, I studied that. Uh, oh, but yeah. I failed, you know. Yeah, and blah, that's blah, blah. why I'm a postman. That's why I have bunions. That's what I'm right. here for. I know. <laughs> Well, but I mean, at the same time, he may be a poor actor, but she doesn't pick up on it. She so. doesn't. That's true. She's a poor watcher. No, he's not so poor an actor that he gives himself away. Yeah. But but he's having to constantly catch himself uh, right. and revealing, to, you know. Right. That's a, that's a bit strong, isn't it? You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then with the Jadoon... Uh, okay, so they're mercenaries of a sort. Um, but I was, I was curious, and we may not ever get an answer to this. I, I suspect we don't, and that's fine. But, okay, so they're out looking for, some, you know, the, a person who killed this princess or whatever, which we learn at the end is... yeah what the uh, plasmavore is charged with. But when they scan the doctor and find that he's not human, like that, I'm so, I, I guess I'm not completely convinced as to why, like that suddenly makes him a target. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't I, they be knowing what species specifically, especially just, if they have these little, I think they're just presented as not very smart. Like, it it wouldn't occur to them that if we're looking for an alien in a hospital full of humans, there might be more than one. Sure, and <laughs> and, and we get and we get that, like the doctor saying, "Oh, you idiots! You're erasing the entire yeah. you know database or whatever." Like so, there's that. Well, and also just sort of the idea of I guess the the over enthusiastic authority. Yeah. We have we we have our suspect, and yeah, you know doesn't you know facts don't matter or you know what actually happened doesn't matter we have the person who did it so and then you get that too with you know charge physical assault plea guilty sentence execution like right right judge dread yeah there's no the judge jury and executioner in one instant you know so yeah no i think they're you know they're are are the judoon evil you know not that seems a bit strong but you know are they they're not you critical know, thinkers are they they're not they're not very intelligent and they're given you know 
by whoever it is that, you know, he, he kind of says like they're intergalactic thugs. So it's almost like they're not even so much police as bounty hunters. Like they're not right. even really, right. they don't even really have any authority other than their own ability to move the hospital to a neutral zone and do whatever they want and then put it back. You right, know? which seems like that's probably violating something, right. you know, anyway. But, yeah. like, they can justify it as, like, what they need to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, not, I mean, they I didn't, think... They didn't invade Earth. They just removed pieces of it for a exactly. while. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think definitely the portrait is a, a, a pretty brutal and not very um, thoughtful government you know and and law enforcement so yeah yeah whether that has any real world metaphors is yeah a different question i guess but yeah that's certainly how the jadoon operate i don't think we need to spend a lot of time on the jadoon (laughs) yeah no really Um, no they're 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 fun they're mostly for fun right um and i look like big rhinoceri i actually am uh very I, I like this episode a lot so i don't say that as like you know a negative necessarily you know that the, the the pace of the episode is all about throwing the doctor and martha together and that means throwing a lot of stuff at them so right it's they have the jejun that are chasing them they've got slabs chasing them they've got the vampire you know killing people the MRI machine is going to blow. The air is running out. It's just right. like every single thing you can think of that can go wrong, you know, yeah. to kind of, you know, throw them in the mix together, you know, mm-hmm. so that they sort of, you know, understand each other and get each other at the end. So you kind of understand, you know, why Martha goes off with him. You right. Know? Right. Well, yeah, overall, decent episode. I look forward to learning more about Martha and seeing where where we go there. But good times. Yeah. Uh, the Buffy episode is less fun. <laughs> it is less fun. It's distinctly this less is, fun. This is our first official Damn You, Joss Whedon episode. Um. <laughs> Flutie doesn't merit that kind of. No, I mean you know, <laughs> yeah. Flu- anger. Flutie gets eaten, but in a fun way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, we we don't see Flutie that much. I mean, he he dies I, a few episodes. I, know. Into I said the... I said that kind of sarcastically. Yeah, no, no, I I know, I know you did, but I I yeah, no, I think it definitely is. Um, you know, a big difference. Like we've come to learn about and uh, care about Jenny in a way that we just didn't have the chance to with Flutie. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, so sorry, I I don't I didn't mean to like steal your opening. So please continue. Uh, gosh, well, I mean, we were kind of you know talking about this before that that even though you know smith and jones is fun and this is definitely not they're actually kind of similar in the sense that the plot is not as important as 
the character stuff. That's clearly the point and what's going on mm-hmm. in these episodes. Um, and I think it's interesting that what little plot there is, is kind of, I don't want to say a red herring because I think the plot is important, you know, but the plot doesn't get resolved. Jenny doesn't get to do or actually she does do what she set out to do. It's just that nobody knows it. And, right. uh, and it's completely, uh, you know, unresolved at the end because it yeah. falls behind a desk. Well, um, and it's, so, it's a, du- it's a double-edged sword there too. Right. Cause like, we're glad that Angelus doesn't know yes. <laughs> clearly. Cause like yes. that means that potentially at some point it could be discovered, but the people who might discover it don't know either. So. Right. Well, and there's that hope. Are... I mean, you, cause you know, he breaks the computer, he burns the paper and you're, and you're sitting there going, he doesn't know about the floppy disk. Thank the the floppy disk. What what a nineties mm-hmm. thing! I'm so yeah, excited yeah, yeah. that that a plot point resolves around a floppy disk. <laughs> right, right. Um, but you, you know, you're kind of. You but know, hey, that, good for her as a computer science teacher that she did back it she up. She back it up and it's had an, and an, had the printout. So it it's wasn't an important just, lesson for the kids. Yes, is indeed. Always back up your files. Exactly. But, um, and but, not just to the cloud. No. There was no cloud at in no, the time no. this was being made. But No, <laughs> you need multiple, multiple copies um, <laughs> in varying forms. So, so there's that moment of kind of, you realize that he doesn't know about the floppy disk. And it's, it's exciting because you know, okay, that's where, you know, that, you know, that the hope is that this is where, you know, the story is going is the mm-hmm. floppy disk is going to make it and they're going to use that. Um, so you get the chase down the hallway, you know, which, you know, we're going to talk about it in a minute. I want to finish with the floppy disk first, but you, get okay. the chase, you would get the chase down the hallway and yeah. he kills her. So the knowledge of what she did yeah. goes with her. But there's still the floppy disk. There's still the hope that somebody, you just know somebody is going to pick up the floppy disk and mm-hmm. carry the torch forward because she backed up her files. And then the episode ends, of course, <coughs> with, you know, Willow moves some papers and it falls behind the desk. Right. And it's now, even more lost. And now, now yeah. it's to the, well, damn, they're never going to find it back there. You know, no one is, and maybe, maybe somehow that will happen. Like, I don't, I don't think at this point I have any opinion either way as to whether or not the floppy disk will ever be found, but. So much hinges on that floppy disk. So much hinges upon the floppy disk. So, uh, but I, I mean, that's kind of an interesting you know, subversion of where you expect the plot to go. You know, in the end, the plot just sort of crumbles and, you know, doesn't really go anywhere. You know, and yeah. maybe someone will come along and pick it up later. But, uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting parallel to sort of the abruptness with which Jenny is killed in this episode. Is sort of the way that all this trouble that she's been going to to get the orb... And mm-hmm. get the 
you know, the original text and write a computer program and translate it and all that stuff. And yeah. it doesn't even go anywhere. And, you know, Angel and, succeeds and to re- in totally redeem herself. Yeah, yeah, not to mention all the emotional stuff that she's yeah. been going through with Giles and Buffy in particular. Um, you know, just, yeah, I mean, that's that's all sort of the things that she's trying to do on her own in the recognition and understanding of that what she did was wrong. Like she, you know, one of the things that I like is that she does not try to mitigate her own culpability. Yeah. She, she acknowledges that what she did was wrong. Yes. It's how I was raised and you know, these are the reasons why, but it's not just like, so therefore you should forgive me without, you know, anything, whatever. It's like, no, you know what? Ultimately, this is my responsibility, and and I failed to do the duty that my uncle and my people sent me here to do, so now I need to figure out a way to fix that. Right. And so she is, she is doing that. Now, the flaw of that is that, and I mean, it's not entirely just her fault, because, well, we get Giles, right? Oh, you know... Um, it's one of, you know, one of the unfortunate, uh, side effects of betrayal is feeling betrayed, (laughs) you know, like that, like you get that whole aspect of it, but at the same time, it's like, well, but how much, you know, how much is too much? How much is, does someone have to pay for something that they did? You know, where, where does that point end? Right. Um, well, I think that the shift in this episode, though, is that actions speak louder than words. And right. she finally stops. Not that she, I think she gave them their space. I mean, I'm not saying she sort of begged for their forgiveness or anything, but she kind of finally stopped talking about how sorry she was and said, well, I'm going to do something about it, you know, to, to right. prove it to them in a really tangible way. And and where I was going with that was that the the, the flaw on, on both sides is that one she thought she could do it by herself. Whereas had she asked for help, there would have been others around who could have perhaps helped fight off Angel or you know right. at least helped her escape to a point where she didn't get killed or um, or known what the plan was so that or known what the, the plan was in the event of something happening. There's right. someone. There's Willow there who. I'm sure can use that translation to do what needs to be done, you know? Right. But, you know, so that's like, she doesn't ask anyone for help. And of course the reason is, is because they're, they're shunning her. And that's, and that's where you get to the point of, well, you know, she, she feels sorry and she, and clearly her sorrow is genuine, but right. Like, it's not like, she's just trying to get back in their good graces so that she can betray them again. I mean, we know that as watchers, I can understand why as a character in the story, you may not necessarily feel that way, but it's still, it's still the, it's still the tragic flaw. in, in this part of the story is, is that they don't trust her and they don't trust her for good reason because she did in a sense, betray them. But had, had either side, had either one of them, sort of been more willing to say either from Jenny's 
perspective to say, look, this is what I'm trying to do rather than yeah. trying to do it on her own. Or if from the other side, Giles or someone and Willow starts to until Buffy walks in and kind of gives her the, the, the mean glare, the, like the stink eye. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For talking to her. Um, you know, if they had just said, maybe been a little more willing to forgive her for, you know, cause I mean, and it's not even about forgiveness. Like, like what they're doing is totally reasonable. Like the way that they feel and, and are acting like it's reasonable, but that's forgiveness in a sense is, is not about reason, right? It's about just letting go of something that mm-hmm. wasn't in your control anyway. So I don't know. I mean, it's, I like it because it's not, it's not it's like had either one of those things happened, then you feel like there would have been some mitigation. And that's not to say Jenny wouldn't have still died or whatever, but like you said, maybe then they would have known about it or maybe, or maybe they could have prevented her from dying and, and it just would have been a better situation. And so, yeah, no. And, and I hate to say it was pointless because it's not, I mean, I think she does go a long way towards redeeming herself. And I think she does achieve something. It's just that nobody knows it. It's not like she didn't do the work. Um, But, and, and again, maybe they find the floppy disk and it isn't all for nothing. You know, maybe she does end up saving the day with the translation, but the feeling at the end of the episode is, one of pointlessness of mm-hmm. all that oh, work, yeah. all that work and all for nothing, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or, you know, aborted too soon. So, yeah. Um, so it's a bummer. And I think that's the, that's the key to the damn you Whedon sort of sentiment is it, it's the death, but also it's the sort of shocking randomness of the death, which is, yeah. You know, the kind of, it's not just that you don't see it coming, but the kind of, like, out of nowhere, uh, and, you know, and, and leaving the plot sort of in tatters, you know, which you're following merrily along, you're ready for her to do the ritual, and, you know, or, or maybe the episode end with her having put all the pieces together, but... He kind of pulls the rug out and says, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not happening. Well, yeah, and this is, I mean, it, well, and we talked, you know, way back in the first episode of the of the whole series, we talked about um, with with Jesse, uh, you know, how sort of Joss Whedon wanted to, to make you feel like yeah. he was going to be part of the group and then kills him right away and kind of how that's, you know, the idea is that nobody's safe. And this is like, this is like that times a thousand, you know, like this is, this is the, you know, I mean, she really was maybe not at this moment, wasn't part of the Scoobies, but she at one point was a core part of the Scoobies and and seemed like she was back on her way to becoming that again. And, and it was, you know, it's, it's that, um, and Josh Weedy actually even says in the commentary um, for this episode that that's exactly what it is. No, no one is safe. And also that um, he says this this is an episode to show that we're not like until now we've we've 
we've seen Angel, right, before he reverts to Angelus. But like you get you get Spike's commentary all along, right? Oh, Angelus, you're not supposed to just like play tricks with your honey. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, the, this isn't like college pranks. Like you're we're vampires, we're supposed to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> and this is this is the episode that says, no, Angelus really is evil. He's not yeah. just you know, like a, a mean frat boy. Like he, he's yeah. he's really out to kill people, and and that threat that he makes. Oh, you know, it's sort of the kind of message where you find all of your friends dead. Like that wasn't as lame of a threat as it sort of maybe sounded, just because uh, you know he was stopped at the time from actually doing that. Yeah. Like this is this is the sort of thing he does. And it's not just that he kills her. He kills her and then sets up this whole romantic thing, you know, for Giles to walk in on and crushes Giles and puts him into a mode of self, uh, you know, (laughs) a desire for self annihilation, you know, because yeah. Well, and maybe we can even go into talking about Giles. Was there more you wanted to say about Jenny? Um, um, I don't think so. No. Yeah. No, we can start talking about Giles. Well, so the only thing I was sort of going to go into from there was that, of course, we get Giles' warning to Buffy at the beginning about not letting your passions yeah. rule yeah. you and that you can't just go off yeah. and, and do whatever you want that, you know, you have to be more responsible. And then of course, what do we get by the end of the episode? Um, well, and, and also he says to Buffy, you can't let Angelus be the one to, uh, you know, to sort of pull your strings. You can't let him, um, uh, you know, be the one to entice you into doing something stupid. Yeah. And that's exactly what, what Giles himself does, of course. Yeah. Yeah. This um, is famous last words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pert near. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. almost is his last words. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, that's sort of the, the watcher, right? He's the, he's the, uh, aloof observer. Right, mm-hmm. you know, trying to put his thing, but as soon as it's someone he loves, he's right there this along with Buffy. I mean, he's doing the same thing that a teenage girl is doing, like you know what I mean like he he's as susceptible to it, um just like anyone else, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and and I think that's sad and interesting <laughs> and and you know, I mean it's. Yeah, it's it, it. Well, I don't know. I I just think I think for Giles here. I mean, how can you not feel for the guy? I mean, obviously we're sad for Jenny too because she's dead. But like, it's yeah. always it's always the ones you really feel empathy for, right? Is are are the ones who continue to live and have to deal with that hurt. Yeah. Um, well, and I think too, as much as Jenny is a major character and part of the Scoobies, we don't know her as well as we know Giles. So, mm-hmm. um. So, I mean, not only is he the one, you know, the survivor of the two, it's also that, you know, we kind of are intimately f- 
familiar we're with rooting him for him and we're yeah. rooting for him yeah or we're rooting for them but but right. him him even more so you know that well, it's about it's about his loneliness and about his putting that on hold for buffy's sake you know right so we're kind and, of on his side in this i think right and how can you not be thinking of you know buffy doesn't forgive jenny right she she's good you feel bad good keep it up yeah but it's it's that she wants to see Giles happy yeah you know is sort of like and and i mean you know and that doesn't i mean just because buffy hates jenny doesn't mean we have to but you know it's like like we can still like jenny but it it, i think you're right i think it is that we're we're connecting more with giles and we want to see giles happy because because he's given yeah so much of his life you know to to helping others and and he even sort of says that you know i've been a watcher many years and i've seen many many people die but jenny was the first i ever loved and and you just hear that and you're like wow you know like i mean we don't know exactly how long he's been a watcher we know he went to watcher school so we certainly can believe that it's the better part of his life um and and it's just to think that he hasn't ever had that or at least if he had, he must've been really young when he did, you know, like, yeah. um, to have had that sort of connection with a person. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's very sad. It is. No. And it is kind of interesting to have him go sort of rushing headlong in because it is kind of, you know, the, Again, the subversion of what do you expect the emotional teenager to do? You know, mm-hmm. that he's kind of behaving in the way that the stuffy school librarian doesn't behave, you know? So, right. and this time it's, it. I guess it's whoever's in the hot seat at the time. You know, this time, because it's personal for him, you know, that's what he does. Whereas Buffy, even though she's upset, is able to be rational and analytical and say... Yeah. You know, no, you can't go in and get yourself killed. That's, you know. Yeah. That's, well, and you're not allowed. <laughs> and, and right from the beginning of the episode, we're we're being thrown a curveball because we're expecting that of Buffy because we get Angel being the one to narrate about passion, right? Yeah. We're expecting Buffy to be the one who is yeah. overcome with passion and sure. all of that. Yeah. And so it it does become a big uh you know, red herring sort of in, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it does. Poor Giles. Poor Giles. Poor Jenny. Poor all of them. Cause I mean, you know, I, even at the end, at least Buffy, you know, she's like, she sort of acknowledges, uh, that maybe she had been a little more pigheaded than she should have been. Yeah. Um, well, and but, kind of, and and not even so much pigheaded about her uh, sort of hesitance to forgive um, Jenny, but also the fact that she didn't act sooner with Angel. That you know, right, I didn't kill right. him when I had the chance, and right. you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and and her, well, and I guess we've started talking about Buffy now. Uh, her her admission right that you can't leave me i can't do this alone like yeah i don't know 
if we've gotten that frank of a, a, a statement from her yet to this point. I can't think of any offhand, although that's not to say there haven't been any sort of candid admissions to that effect. But I, yeah. I mean, I think this is really the first time where she sort of breaks down and, and admits that she needs his guidance. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of the first time that it hasn't been Giles trying to convince her of what her duty is. Now right. it's the opposite that this is the first time where maybe Giles wants out and Giles mm. would rather not do this. And Giles yeah. wants to leave or die or anything rather than go through this. And, you know, now of course it's Buffy's turn to say, uh, nope, you have yeah. a duty to help me. And, you know, and she's kind of acknowledging by implication that she has a duty and that, if Giles was lost, she'd have to go on doing it without him. Um, you know, so that's kind of an interesting statement of her own, you know, responsibility as the Slayer, I think. Right, right. Well, and like you said, like, it's it's a statement of his responsibility of as the Watcher. So, right. yeah. Well, yeah. they're a pair. Um, you right. need both. Right, and it's funny, too, because... You, you keep hearing, and especially from Giles, that, you know, the Slayer is a lone sort of thing, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a calling, you know, there's only one and, you know, there can be no other. But, but you're right. It is a, it is a paired setup. And, and we've also sort of gotten hints, like when, when we've seen like Kendra, right? We've gotten hints that maybe... Buffy and Giles are unique in their particular pairing. Um, right. That, yeah. that, that, well, I'm not just hence Giles actually says, no, you're unique. I didn't give you the handbook because yeah. you're unique. I've, I've sort of had to play I've fast sort of and had loose. To wing it with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, hints might not even be the right word, but yeah. Um, yeah so, there does seem to be something, you know, a little, a little different about their connection and, and, uh, yeah, no, I think we're definitely meant to, to look at, at the way that they interact here in this particular scenario to, to see that it, it's not as lonely of a thing that Buffy has come to realize that she needs help in this. Um, right. But it would be lonely if something happened to Giles, you yeah, know, and that's yeah. a very scary, I love the way she just clocks him at the end. Like, right. You know, again, right. we talked about that kind of last, or what was it? Two weeks ago with the doctor being, you know, the doctor's worry over Rose expressing itself as sort of anger that this is that sort of thing of, you know, just letting him have it because you're so mad that he almost got himself killed, you know, that, mm. and he kind of needs that sobering, yeah, you know, slap to the face to sort of right. cool him off a little bit. You know, it's like the equivalent of throwing the kid in the shower. Like if they get into a fight, like mm. stop it, cool off and think about yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Yep. No, definitely. So, I think that's, I, like I think that that's scene. right. Um, and yeah, so, you know, Buffy, 
Buffy, uh, yeah, does sort of take control there and, and take charge. But um, then, of course, we see her with her mom <laughs> as the other authority figure yeah. in this uh, in this thing here. Um, yeah, a little less in control of that situation, but yeah. So it's it's funny because Buffy's still doing the. I'm just going to tell her enough, but not really all of it. Right. So it's yeah. like, like we get that. So we, we get the, the scene with Angel and Joyce um, where she pulls up in the car and they're like talking. And of course, and he's my, being super, super creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, we don't exactly know what, what's going to happen here. Um, but then we get like the immediate explanation, like after that, where Buffy's like, "Oh yeah, all that stuff with like the the Latin and the, you know, props or whatever." He's just really superstitious. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like that? Well, just... and it, we're we're right back to the fact that Joyce is repressing. You know that she right, right. she will she will eat whatever you know, meal Buffy sets in front of her, you know. Um, but then she doesn't when it's a normal, quote, Right, because situation. that's within the realm of her understanding, you know. Right. Well, and and you, you got to love the line where she says, I, I've read all the parenting books. You can't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Want to make a bet Yeah, want to try? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, that's like what Xander says to Ford, right? When Ford is like, oh, you know, I, I know everything there is to know about you, Summers. And Xander, yeah. yeah. Want to make, make a bet on that? Yeah. Um, but but Joyce here, she she's read all the books. She, she'd be surprised. So when it's, when it's a, quote, normal parenting thing, yeah. she, I mean, she's nervous about it, but she handles it. And she, it, it's interesting to me how firm she is with Buffy here. Um, the be, be, well, just because we don't get that sense from her up until this point, that as a parent, that she's a very firm person. You know, I mean, there right. there might be one or two, you know, things where she says, "Well, you need to do better," you know, about this or that. Like I, um, I don't remember what episode it it is where where she grounds Buffy or or what. But anyway, so. And, you know, there was, like, the episode with Ted where she kind of gets a little yeah. on her for that. But, like, this is, like, really where, um, like, when she tells her, you know, don't just tell me that you made a mistake to shut me up. <laughs> you know, like, this is, you know, you don't tell me anything. You shut me out, but don't expect me to stop caring. Um, and And you don't get to just say you know, that you made a mistake. This, you, you did something very dangerous. You did something yeah, that was not in good judgment. And now you expect me to just handle it. And like this, this, there needs to be more to this conversation. So yeah. it, it's interesting to me how firm of a, of a hand she sort of takes with that whole talk, uh, the talk. So the talk. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and well, and it's interesting too, like to go back to her sort of awareness of things that she, even though she kind of, you know, 
only accepts that which she understands. And if she doesn't understand it, she sort of just dismisses it, you know, mm-hmm. or, or buys whatever the cover story is. Um, she does also know that there's something she's missing. You know, the way she says, uh, you can cut me out of your life. I'm pretty much used to that. That she knows there are... And I I guess that could just be, oh, you didn't tell me about Angel. But I don't think so. I think this is this is about... Right. She whole, seems to sense that there's more going whole on. Whole volumes of Buffy's life that she is not privy to. Um, you know, and she's sort of making assumptions about what that might be, you know, which are largely inaccurate, probably. <laughs> yeah, know, but, yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't think Joyce suspects that she's a vampire slayer. So you assume that she suspects other things, like... Right. Probably this is confirming her worst fears about the kind of things that Buffy is keeping her in the dark about, is, mm-hmm. you know dangerous teenage things like what kind of guys she sees what kind of parties she goes to what does she do and you know when she sneaks out of her bedroom window all that kind of stuff um you know this is just reiterating that because she's gone and done you know it, it in what joyce's mind is the worst thing she could do you know at this stage right now right so you know Never mind the fact that Buffy is secretly, you know, facing other sorts of dangers, you know, on a daily basis. But, you know, I think it's kind of interesting that even though uh, she has no idea that Buffy's life is, you know, sort of more epic than she has any, you know, knowledge of, she still knows that. You know, there are reams of Buffy's life that she has no clue about. Um, she's aware that there's, like, a a hole there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it, anyway, at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. she's still repressing, and Buffy's still not saying... Uh, which Giles is still telling her, you can't say anything. Right. And which, Xander throws now, his two cents which, in there too. And now we and now we go back to no, people not telling each other things and look the trouble that Jenny right. got into because she and Giles didn't tell each other things. So maybe that policy needs to be rethought, you know. Mm. Yeah, well and it's it's when Buffy realizes about what Angel has done in the past, right? Of going after, like, with Drusilla, going after right. Drusilla's family. Yeah. It's, oh, crap, my mom. And she really say something, yeah. And she has no idea about the potential danger, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, you're right. <laughs> like, there's, there's, there's a real problem there with keeping secrets. But and on the other hand... And do they ever, do they, well... So you're saying, on the other hand, is do they give any real good reason why they shouldn't tell her? Well, according to Xander, because it was it would cheapen it for the rest of them. <laughs> no, I, I mean... Other than that. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, not that I can think of offhand. There's other than 
sort of the normal things of okay first of all what would <laughs> you know she believe it like yeah. would yeah, yeah would she believe it and also there might be a fear there of would she allow buffy you know to continue being this slayer kind of thing i mean right yeah so well and allow might be different like i mean she might not be able to stop Buffy from being the slayer right. at that point, but you know, it could potentially cause a rift there too. So, right. you know, I, I think it's just, it's more the, right. There's, so there's no like mythological reason why not. It's a, it's a matter of, it's a delicate subject right. to well, broach and, and could cause relationship. It could cause like, relationship issues. And, and is there, is there a good reason to tell her? And maybe right. there, like, I mean, like we're talking about, maybe there is a good reason for her own safety. But we've seen other people who have been confronted directly with vampires who don't believe them. So, like, who knows how deep the depths of denial can go? Yeah, you know, sure. like, right, right. It maybe, may, it may be better, no good telling her anyway. Maybe better not to open that can of worms yeah. you know and yeah. and i'm not and i'm not saying any of these are good reasons i'm just like we we haven't gotten any at least to this point we really haven't gotten any reason as to why joy shouldn't be told other right. other They're than all... just sort of she doesn't know already and they don't they don't seem like once someone knows like like okay so most recently with oz right and Buff, at buffy's birthday party Hey, did everyone just see that dude turn into dust? Like he clearly sees something happen right in front of him and gets inducted sort of in that way. But yeah. Otherwise, it's just sort of that you know, people people don't know or if they do experience something, they seem to explain it away. It was gas, you know in the school that was creating all these bad egg smells that we had everywhere, yeah. you know, um, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, no, there's no, there's no positive And I don't mean that in like a good or bad way, but like, there's no actual reason that we're ever given. It's just sort of a, uh, inertia, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. people, people have been repressing it. They've been living on the Hellmouth for however many years now. They've repressed it all this time. Why should we ruin their rosy little view of the world? Kind of right. thing. Right. So yeah. no, I just wanted to make sure that I hadn't missed some sort of plot, re like crucial yeah, plot I reason why not. And that's fine. I mean, I think those are all understandable enough reasons. You know. There, you know, there may have been something like in one of the early episodes that, but I, as far as like crucial plot thing, I don't think so. It, it would, yeah. it would have been a hand waving reason that Yeah. I'm pretty sure we would have covered already. You know what I mean? So, right, right. um, so no, I don't, I don't think other than just to, you know, Buffy wants people who don't know already to sort of continue being able to live their life as they can. And, you know, otherwise they'll they'll sort of address it if it becomes an issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. but you're right to point out, I think that that may not be the best policy. It 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 could be more detrimental uh to people in the long run. So especially for Joyce in particular because she's yeah. the slayer's daughter and because 
people like Angel will target her for that reason. Yeah. Um, well, and not just people like Angel, but specifically, they are being targeted right now. Like, right, right, right. If ever there was a time to change the rules, this is it. You know, that he's getting in their house, drawing pictures of them, and now he's actually gone and killed somebody. So right. he's not screwing around. <laughs> you know? Right. But Buffy doesn't <laughs> no. tell her. She uh, she perpetuates uh, the ignorance. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see if that comes back to bite her. Come on. Literally. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Buffy. I'm I'm rooting for a really awkward conversation in which Buffy tries to explain this to Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. I will not say whether that will or will not happen. All right. Um, but anyway. So we do get one positive thing out of this episode is that now they have once more reestablished the threshold uh barrier yes. for Angel. Yes, and I kind of cheered when uh that happened when buffy changed the locks as she says <laughs> yeah 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 they yeah. found a spell to reestablish that yeah because it was driving me nuts that she was sleeping with that window open so i'm glad that that is finally yeah yeah that's an interest i mean th- there could have been potentially other ways that angel could have gotten in the house anyway. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily had to have come through the window. So even if she had shut the window, maybe, right. I don't know, he's been around is a couple that, hundred years. He might have that, gotten that good much at picking of a bear, locks. Right, right. What difference is that going to make anyway? But um, no, it didn't bother. But it was, I mean, I don't, I don't just mean the fact that the window is open, but the fact what that says about the vulnerability of the house. Like mm. the the open window sort of is... A metaphor for the fact that Angel can just walk in whenever he wants, and that is right. bothersome. So it was time, I think, you know, probably a little bit past time for Buffy to do something about that. So I'm, you know, yeah, and and you sort of get the feeling that once they're safe inside, you you sort of get the feeling that it just didn't occur to her. Although in the last episode we saw Xander get pulled, you know, Angel right. reached in and pulled Xander reached through in the and window. Yeah. So, right, and we did get that kind of foreshadowing with Drew last time. That kind of looked forward to this episode. I thought it was funny that, uh, you know, it. I'd forgotten that Willow invited him in. Yeah. You know, all those episodes ago. So you kind of go, oh, you know, that felt like no big deal at the time. But Sanders, right? There probably is a lesson here about inviting strange. You know, even though you felt like, you know, we don't notice because, like Willow, we trust Angel. So mm-hmm. we kind of say, he says, "Can I come in?" And she says, "Sure." And we go, "Okay." But now that seems like not such a good idea. Yeah. Um. But I wondered, how did he get into Giles's house? Giles invites him in. At Did one he? Point. Okay, yeah. I forgot that because I thought, I thought, okay, he must have. I just can't remember when mm-hmm. that was. Yeah, I don't remember which episode specifically, but he does. Okay, he definitely does. But you're, but you're but right. They must There's... have said, but they must have been setting this episode up because they made sure to have scenes where Angel right. got invited into the houses because they know, okay, 
down the road in episode, you know, whatever, yeah. we're going to need him to be able to get in. So. Well, and they don't ever know until it's too late what the what the exact curse is, right? They don't know about his having a moment of true happiness. No, no, is they're not. What's gonna yeah. break. So, like, they all they know is that he's cursed, and so he's has a soul now. Yeah. There's there's no implication that that could ever change at the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, right. yeah. Well, it's all about it, boundaries, it, right? And a, and how easy it is to subvert them. Well, and it's a it's a word to the wise for, you know, should we ever encounter a seemingly nice vampire again? <laughs> <laughs> I think even if they're you know as nice as angels seem to be, mm-hmm. they might think twice before inviting them into the house again. Right. Um, yeah, but it is also comforting to know that at least they have a spell now that could, yes. uh, uh, if anything, work on your car. I was going to say, apparently a, it works on cars too, uh, which is fun. It's, we get more about the the mechanics of the threshold violations um in in other episodes so like yeah because that because i noticed that drew walks into the shop right no problem so it's not about uh buildings it's about homes it's about residents yes residents but but angel i mean we don't ever test the theory we don't see angel trying to break into the car but assuming the spells work it it does apply to the car, so it it also implies to the school, uh, you know the no no that so the car thing. This is just Cordy this, being paranoid, right? It's okay. Well, and I'll, I'll give you this because I don't think it's like a huge spoiler or anything, but it's it only applies to residences. It, okay, it does not. So Cordy's car, yes, they set a spell over Cordy's car, but it. It's a it placebo no effect. effect. Yeah, okay, it's, yeah. It's it's not like vampires can, would still be able to go into her car because it's not right. her residence. Um, the the school thing. Um, well, first of all, ignoring the dog Latin that they use, um, <laughs> the 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 school thing um, is the school is a public building. Public buildings public uh shops and that types of thing w- don't have that sort of same barrier just so in general so so angel's line line about the sign isn't right meant to be taken this is his this, he's just taking the mickey out and having like yes exactly he yeah. this is his sense of whimsy that right. giles refers to earlier in the episode right yeah he he is he's just saying oh yes the sign that says Come all who want to have knowledge. Yeah, no. Which, yeah. so incidentally, just sort of sticking with the sign for a moment, you know, ent- enter all who want knowledge, you know, oh, where else have we heard that sort of phrasing before? Enter all ye who abandon hope, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that yeah. sort of, that sort of uh, play on well, it's phrases. Well, it's appropriate for a school which is sitting over the mouth of hell. Exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. That it would have a sort of, hellish yeah, you know exactly uh, warning statement on yeah in a yep. sign over it so yeah um 
So, so yeah, so I, so yeah, no, his, I mean, I, it, it could be possible that the writers at the time of this particular episode were thinking that, you know, he would need that sort of thing. But like you said, we see Drew walk into the shop, no problem. Yeah. Um, so I, I suspect that they were intending Angel there, but then definitely based on later, if you want to call it retconning, or if you just want to say it's further explanation of how the rules work, um, there definitely is more information that it really only applies to residences. And there there become some complications when you get into things like hotel rooms and apartments and that sort of thing, um, especially when you get into, into the show Angel, um, okay. where you have Angel needing to get in and out of a lot of various places and sometimes is prevented from doing so. Okay. Um, and that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, no, the, the, for all intents and purposes though, everyone's home is safe at this point. So yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, yeah. Willow, Willow, thanks to her crucifixes hung on her wall that she has to have, like hide behind her curtains and everything <laughs> yeah because, right right, right. <laughs> that's it's, that's a funny i ira rosenberg yeah only daughter can't be seen to be hiding uh crucif- right. or hanging crucifixes on the wall um yeah i wanted to bring something up about that too right because she mentions going over to xander's house with the snoopy to, dance to 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 watch uh, yeah the the christmas special um and that has become something that nicholas brendan uh now is known for at conferences and appearances um conventions that sort of thing uh for doing the snoopy dance from this from this reference right that's funny Um, does he ever do it in the show or is it just something he no he doesn't do it in the show and that's i i i mean i don't know the full history but i I believe that that's sort of how it got started. It was like, well, wait, you know, there's this reference that right. Xander does the do Snoopy now, dance. So yeah. show us what, how does Xander do the Snoopy dance? And now yeah. it's like, I mean, maybe not every appearance, but it's frequently, you know, a, a, yeah. a thing that he does. And there are many, many YouTube videos of him doing it. So it's not, it's not just like, you know, legend or anything. It's no, he actually does it does do the um, snoopy dance that's funny but yes the uh well okay uh, so um i know we were gonna say one or two things maybe about spike and drew too i think um did did you have a couple things you want to add just sort of here at the end spike and drew <coughs> find them in my notes well I mean, no, I don't know that I have anything new. It's sort of, we get stuff with them, but it's kind of along the same lines of what we've seen. Drew is, you know, still sort of, you know, kind of torn between the two, but not really. She's kind of siding with Angel at this point and, you know, feeding Spike puppies, um, <laughs> which he takes fence to. Um and Angel is like specifically provoking him, you know, that, oh, yeah. you know, making snide comments about, you know, his, whether, you know, that he's still in the wheelchair and, you know, he's 
doing certain things for him, you know, with a kind of look across the room at, Ju at Drew. Um, so, like, basically going out of his way to insult Spike and yeah. not so well, much imply as tell him we have something going on on the side, too. Um, yeah, I don't... And I don't know how much we can believe that one way or the other. Like, I mean... Yes, Angel well, says that. I, yeah, I mean, I think the point is that Angel wants Spike to believe that. You know, right? whether right. it's happening or not, who's to say, you know, but... Yeah, well, and again, we know that uh, Angel is a master of both physical and psychological terror. So, yeah. like, it's equally plausible either way. And that's the yeah. thing that Spike even more than us, I'm sure, knows <laughs> at yeah. this point, you know, like that, that right. Angelus is capable of certainly, you know, sleeping with his woman, so to speak. And we don't know one way or the other. Um, and Drew doesn't say boo about no. it. So, you know. Well, and, and, and it's funny that Angel's sort of provoking Spike into lashing out in the same way that he's provoking Buffy mm -hmm. and Giles into that. He's kind of having a go at everybody, even his right. own, even his own team, really. Um, yeah. So you know, and and Spike gets pretty angry, and specifically at the end, you know, holds Drew back from helping Angel in the fight, and kind of well, and I mean, not that but, Angel would but want Drew, Drew's help. Drew anyway, willingly. But, yeah. Stops. Like it's because I mean, Spike's still in the wheelchair. What could he do if Drew said, no, I'm going to go help Angel anyway. Right. Yeah. So it's and that's and that's actually one of the things that I was going to say and in, in sort of to question, you know, the veracity of Angel's implications is Drew doesn't go help Angel at the end. So, you know, yes, Drew is silent. She doesn't deny the implications, but. At the same time, Drew's insane. Yes. <laughs> so, like, she may also, and and we know that Drew is is certainly something of a masochist as well. Um, so, right. or sorry, a sadist um, as well. You know, getting Spike's ire up might please her, regardless of the truth of Angel's implications. So, or she may not even really be aware of what they're talking about, <laughs> like. You know, yeah, it's hard to I tell mean, sort of from moment to moment how much she's really listening. And in the present, in right, because immediately you know? after that is when she's, yeah. you know, having her little fit about Jenny going into the story, you know, the bad teacher um, yeah. and all of that. So it's, yeah, I mean, there's multiple poss possibilities there. I think I think the ambiguity is what we're meant to feel there and that yeah. the plausibility um, is sort of... Uh, all that matters at that point, not knowing one way or the other. Yeah, it's, it's, it could be happening. Could, but, but I do think that at least we should pause to consider that fact that Drew doesn't, and not because Spike is physically holding her back. It's at his request. She, she listens to him to yeah. not help Angel. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's just sort of how Drew's personality is. It's, I mean, she does act on things like clearly we see her go to the shop, you know, and she kills the owner and, and that sort of thing. And, 
and there have been other mentions of her killing people like to get the puppy um so i mean it's not that she just sort of lets things happen but i think she's one of those characters who is more content just sort of seeing where things go you know seeing where things lead so um more so than I think Spike is. I mean, we've we've certainly gotten that sense that sense that Spike. Yeah, he kind of goes with the flow, but he also is very much like I w- the things that I want done, I want them done immediately. And yeah, um, yeah, you know, we'll we'll yeah, see. Yeah, and he's I guess. not and he's not particularly on Angel's side, you know. If, no, if if someone comes in and tries to kill him, well. Let's just sit back and watch how this plays out. <laughs> like, yeah, what, and which is, you know, different. Like, I mean, when Angel first came back, he was really excited. Oh, Angel, my good buddy, you're back. But yeah. then it's like, hmm, wait a minute. Maybe Angel being back isn't such a good thing for me personally. You know, yeah, it's... Angelus is kind of a dick. I really kind of preferred yeah. the, the, the Buffy whipped Angel that I could push around. You know? Right, right. Right, so... Yeah. Anyway, um, I will say then, sort of at the end here, uh, yeah. as we wrap up, that we so a, a few weeks ago we got um, mentioned that uh, um, innocence was uh, Joss Whedon and, um, and 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 oh gosh, Christine Sutherland's favorite episode. Yeah. Uh, this is listed uh, as well. Anthony Stewart had has said that this is his favorite episode, um, and uh, it also may be partly <laughs> because he actually uh, provided some of the vocals for the music um, near the end there, where they're at Jenny's grave. Um, oh. I didn't. I didn't know. And I think we talked about before that he's also a musician and singer. Um, I don't know that I knew that. No. Oh, okay. No, I, I I thought we might have mentioned that before, but yeah, he's. I don't think so. He, he's he is. Uh, I I I kind of remember it. I can't totally remember the melody right now, but I yeah, remember I, there being like a vocal, right? You right. know, like a vocal piece at the end. Um, I didn't yeah. notice it. Um, so yeah, so he, he, he did do that and, uh, yeah, he, he, he also has albums out there. So if you want to go look those up, um, yeah, not that that necessarily has anything to do with the show other than this particular Hopefully episode, it's but... not like his, uh, Bay City Rollers taste. <laughs> no, yeah, it, 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 actually he's a, in a cover band and that's all they do. No, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually heard any of his music, but, um, you know, it's there. It exists. All right. Feel, feel free to look it up. Good for him. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Well, I guess, uh, I guess that's it for this week and we'll, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. See you then. Mm-hmm.